Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Hello, friends. Today, I don't have anyone to introduce because it's me, myself, and I. Today is the first episode. Oh, well, we'll see how many of these happen. Honestly, I'm not sure. We're kind of just going as we go. But I'm doing a solo special requested by a few of you that, you know, you feel you're listening to these. And I really try my hardest not to cut off my guests and to ask them questions. It's something I'm working on. But I don't get to talk as much, I guess, because I'm kind of interviewing. I'm not being interviewed. The interviewee becomes or the interviewer becomes the interviewee. If you watch Friends, you'll kind of get that reference, even though I switched the words around. Anyway, today it's just me. I don't know why I'm weirdly kind of nervous for this, and I never get nervous for recordings. Part of me is thinking, am I going to be able to talk for this long? The other part of me knows I will be able to, but it almost fears, it feels so different because you still Usually when I'm talking for such a lengthy amount of time, I'm recording myself with a camera, so I'm at least observing everything. Right now I'm just sitting by myself staring out my window into a rain and thunderstorm in the city. Anyways, today's episode is going to focus on my career, I guess. So tomorrow, or I'm recording this on Friday, but the day that this, I I believe, will be released will be Saturday, April 27th, which is my one-year anniversary of being my own boss. It was the last day of my corporate job one year ago. So I kind of want to focus on that, especially because I've received so many questions about what my path was, how I got to where I am today, what I love about it, what I struggle with, whatever. So this is totally unscripted. I have nothing in front of me, not even notes, which I probably should have prepared. And I also have some questions that you all have sent in. And I guess I'm going to do it the way I kind of start all my other shows. So how would I define success? This has definitely changed for me. I would say it used to be very financially driven and focused and Now, I think it's much more about the product that you're producing. And so I think it's when you're proud to say what you do. And that could mean you're doing something that makes no money, like being a freaking mom. 
that is being a mother, I would say is one of the most successful things you could ever do. And you're not getting paid to be a mom. If anything, it costs an arm and a leg. But I would say when you're in a place where you love your work, you want to tell people about it, you're so proud when someone asks what you do. That to me is success. And then my favorite characteristic about myself, I would say, is probably, well, one of my favorite characteristics about myself is also something that I probably need to work on. My hard work ethic and my determination, I am a very determined person where if I set my mind to something, I have to get it done, which is really great and probably the reason that I'm able to work for myself also because my work ethic is so intense. But in the same sense, I can become a little crazy about it where if I feel something needs to get done, I won't stop until it's done. And oftentimes that means I struggle with trusting the process because I'm so set on doing things myself rather than just letting them happen. So it's something I'm working on. Again, this is probably going to be some type of therapy session. I'll probably send the recording to my therapist. Um, I want to start off by giving you guys some type of timeline of my life career-wise. So growing up, well, not growing up, in college, I guess we can start there. I was an economics major. I had a certificate in finance, which is basically like a minor, but it just wasn't called that, and a minor in psychology. I worked my butt off in college. In high school, I didn't really do that well. I was kind of way more focused on athletics. I Freshman year was playing travel lacrosse, high school lacrosse, travel soccer, high school soccer, and I had practice twice a day, every single day, all weekend long. We were at tournaments. My grades severely lacked. Freshman year, I did not do well in school because I just didn't have time to do anything. And that was kind of when my mom sat me down and was like, you have to choose a sport. Which one would you rather play in college? And you'll stop playing travel for the other one. I chose lacrosse. Um, but in college, honestly, I think it was because the first semester I did really well and I got really good grades, that a part of me that it's also a fear of letting people down or living up to these crazy expectations I set for myself. Once I had that really great GPA the first semester, I was like, well, shit, I can't do worse than that now. I have to keep that GPA, which is, I mean, bonkers because it was a three, I don't know, whatever it is when you get three A's and an A minus, a three nine something. Um, And so I definitely worked my butt off in college I would play I played lacrosse so there was a ton of that going on and I obviously was partying and I joined a sorority and did all that but I would spend a lot of time in the library reflecting on it now I really worked very hard so I junior sophomore year um the summer yeah sophomore year I remember having a conversation with my mom and she was asking me what I thought I wanted to do because I should start looking into internships to try and get into whatever that field is. I had no fucking idea. 
I thought I wanted to be, or I didn't think, I, I did want to be in some type of media role. Specifically, I really wanted to be a sports broadcaster, which is so comical now because I kind of have done like a full circle. I really wanted to have a microphone and be on TV and sports was just something I really cared about and I thought I would be good at. So I wanted to be the next Aaron Andrews. And I applied to ESPN, NBC Sports, like Fox Sports, all the main production companies for sports broadcasting to be an intern. And this was the summer going into my junior year. And both of my parents, my mom used to be a banker on Wall Street and my dad was working in the credit card industry. And so finance was kind of in my blood. I was also an economics major, so it really didn't make full sense for me to go and do this whole media thing. But I went to a liberal arts school and it's not like we had a journalism major anyway. So I, my mom convinced me, just apply to one sales and trading program. I really think it would be a good fit for you. The trading floor is so fun and it's really catered to athletes and yada, yada, yada. So I decided if I was going to apply to one, I was going to apply to the best one. So I applied to JP Morgan and it was honestly just the fact that JP Morgan's internship was so efficient and on top of it that they got back to me within an allotted amount of time. After that, I had a phone interview. After that, I had another phone interview. Then I had a super day. And it was just so structured and legitimate that I found out I had received the offer for an internship before, and I had to accept it by a deadline before I had even heard back from any of the media internships. So when I received the offer and I hadn't heard back from anyone in media, I thought it would be stupid to pass up. So I did it. So I interned the summer before my junior year at JP Morgan Sales and Trading on the rate sales desk. And at the end of that internship, if you are invited back, you receive an offer right there in the end of August. And so obviously I was like, yeah, of course I'll come back next summer and not have to deal with applying to internships. Sign me up. So I literally signed up. Um, so then the summer before my senior year, no, yes. Summer before my senior year, I interned at JP Morgan again, this time on the Muni sales desk. So selling Muni bonds. And similarly to what had happened the summer before, if you do well at the internship, this happens in a lot of financial companies, they offer you a full-time job. So it was the first week of August, summer before my senior year, internship ended. I received a full-time offer to work at J.P. Morgan when I graduated. And it was, again, a no-brainer for me to be able to sign a piece of paper and go into my senior year of college with a pretty sick job all set up for me once I graduated. And I mean, this was kind of how I felt when I committed to Lafayette for lacrosse. I went into senior year of high school already knowing where I was going to go to college. I only applied to one school. It's freaking awesome. So part of me was wondering, is this, should I even consider the media loop and somehow get back into that? But it just seemed so silly to me because it was all set up so perfectly and it was such an awesome job and it's really well respected and all of that. So I signed the sheet of paper and went back to Lafayette for my senior year. So I graduated in May of 2013, and I had a month before um, full-time work started. And I started, I, I guess, in like June on the Muni sales desk at JP, and it really was like a perfect fit for me. I'm not even going to try to act like it wasn't. Trading floors are so much fun, um, but it's high intensity. You have to make 
decisions very quickly. It's team oriented, but it's also competitive in a way where you're com- kind of competing against like the Morgan Stanley, the cities, the competitive, the comparable banks. Um, it's like just very athlete. It's catered to athletes. I don't know how else to say it. It's it was perfect for me and it was such a fun environment where you can my favorite part about my job is I could say fuck you to whoever and you can curse it's it's just I don't know a great fit for me so I was there for five full years and in the beginning it really like I was the only one I felt out of all of my friends who felt like they loved their job and it was intense. There's no getting around that. I was up at, I mean, when I first started, I would get there at like 6.30, which honestly isn't even that early for sales and trading. If you work there, you know that. But I would leave at 5.30-ish, you know, work stayed at the office. I never had to do anything when I left the office, which freaking ruled. And that depends on the product, but I didn't. Um, and it was great. And then I kind of felt like, Two years in, well, I was struggling with digestive issues, which I would do a whole nother episode on. I don't want to deep dive into my medical history on this one, but I was struggling with digestive issues and that led me to see doctors. I was then cutting things out of my diet. The more I was cutting things out of my diet, the more I started to cook because it was just easier. I also realized that I was spending all this money on these like, oh, pick a protein and two side lunches in Midtown and all of a sudden it was $17 and then I was going out to dinner and my credit card bill was just food, 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 alcohol, alcohol, food, 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 food. And I remember calling my mom crying and just saying, I don't know how I'm going to pay my credit card bill and it's not like I'm going to Saks and buying all these gorgeous dresses. It's honestly food and alcohol and I guess taxis. So I stopped dining out as much. I started cooking a lot more. I noticed I was saving so much more money. I noticed I felt so much better. My digestive like system was still whack, but it felt better. And I just became really enthralled by the whole thing. And I grew up in a house where my mom would cook, but I never was, it's not like I spent my childhood cooking with my mom at all. And I always loved food, but it was never food that I was making. So I then, three years into JP, or I guess, yeah, I'm trying to think of like the schedule of it all, but I eventually, I was prepping all the food for Joe and I, my now husband, then boyfriend, and my friends were saying how jealous they were that I had all my meals prepped, and especially that Joe got to get all of his prepped, and so I started prepping meals for all my friends, and it was quite ridiculous. I would spend all weekend going to the grocery store, preparing menus, and prepping meals that my friends would then come pick up, and I mean, I wasn't making any money off of it. They were reimbursing me for groceries. They were the true champions of this whole thing. They really made out well, and I then felt like it was just taking up so much time and breakfast was clearly the easier option. So then I was sending out menus on like a Wednesday, breakfast options to my 30 friends. They would send their orders in. I would make them all Saturday and Sunday. People come pick them up on Sunday. So I was kind of diving into this whole meal prep world and really starting to care more. And I think this was when I started my Freckled Foodie Instagram. And to be totally frank, I wanted to start a food Instagram because I loved going to restaurants in the city and I felt like if I had a food Instagram, maybe I'd get to get 
into better restaurants and potentially eat for free. And I followed a bunch of these food Instagrams and felt like I could do this. And so my sister, my younger sister actually came up with the name Freckled Foodie because we were going to do it together. She's still kind of bitter at me that I did it without her. But on her birthday, I was drunk and I came home and I started the account. And I didn't tell anyone. I only told Joe for a few months. I was so embarrassed by it because I felt like, oh, another food Instagram. And I think it was because I wasn't passionate about it. I didn't know where it was going. I honestly wasn't quite sure about it myself. So I didn't want to share it with everyone. Eventually, people found out. And so then... I gained like a few of my friends that followed it and all of that. So I was still cooking. I'm still working full time, but I was doing this meal prep situation on the side. I then, and oh, then I was doing like breakfast sales over the summer at the beach because I would go to the Jersey Shore for the summer and on the weekends. And I just wanted to like prove that healthy eating was easy and delicious. So I made all these healthy, I'm so funny reflecting on all of this. I would make all these healthy breakfasts like yogurt parfaits, smoothies, overnight oats. And I would fill coolers with them, put them in the back of my dad's Jeep and just park on the main street of our beach town where everyone walks in the morning and give them out for free. I cannot believe I did like, I don't know what is wrong with me, but I would give them out for free because I just wanted to spread awareness of my account and also just healthy eating. And it eventually then transpired into selling them on because the police tried to like shut me down and I said I was giving away for free. So then they left me alone. But then when I started selling them, they said I didn't have a vendor's license. And my response was, well, you're not shutting down any of these lemonade stands on the street. And the police officer was like, ma'am, do you really want to compare yourself to five-year-old kids selling lemonade? Get your shit together. But I mean, my point still stands. So I actually ended up selling them on like the front patio of a boutique in town. And continuing to really just spread awareness. But quite honestly, I was still working full time, going to the beach to relax because it was my favorite place, but doing this all weekend long. So it, there hit a point where I was, then I created a website because I wanted to get my recipes out there right now. At that point, they were only on Instagram captions and I felt like it was taking so long to write Instagram captions. So we started a website to post all my recipes on there. And It hit a point where I was working almost 12-hour days. I would come home. I would work on Freckled Foodie for as long as I could at night if I didn't have dinner plans or social plans. I would do it all weekend long, whether I was prepping for myself, prepping for friends, testing recipes. I felt like I never stopped. And at the same time, I enrolled in IIN, which is Institute for Integrative Nutrition, where you become a certified health coach. And... Quite honestly, I had no plan of becoming a health coach. I did this for selfish reasons. I just wanted to learn more. I was struggling a lot with different health issues and I just wanted answers and no doctor could provide me with them. And I was so frustrated and so fed up. And the more research I did, it just kept leading me back to these people who had all gone to IIN or it was IIN lectures. And I just felt like it was a sign. So I enrolled in that. And that was in May of 2017. So I was now at, and then, okay, so I was enrolled in IIN. I was working full-time at JP. I was trying to grow my account and 
this website and I really didn't have a plan for what it was ever going to become. But the more I became passionate about the food I was eating, physical activity, how I felt, just the way my body reacted to certain things, I guess the overall wellness of it all, I realized how not passionate I was about my job. And also I think with sales and trading, you know, it's very steep learning curve in the beginning. And then you kind of plateau in the sense of you honestly do the same thing every day. The markets change, but your day-to-day is pretty much the same. And I kind of took a step back and looked at my boss and the people sitting next to me and thought, do I want their job? And when I confidently said, not really, then I kind of noticed maybe something's wrong. However, I was making really fucking good money. There's no getting around it. The hours were very convenient for my life. I loved the people. It still was, excuse me, it still was exciting every once, like for a majority of it. And I just had no idea what could become a career of what I was doing on the side. So I had dabbled with the thought of leaving JP Morgan, but I was so caught up in the egotistical aspect of it because when you say you work at a big bank and you do sales and trading it's immediately like oh shit that's cool the reaction you get from most people if we're being honest especially adults you feel immediately respected and I loved that I mean I wore my job like a badge of honor and from an ego standpoint I couldn't wrap my head around the idea of giving that up and also I mean, I live a lifestyle that was used, it was the only job I had. So I was making good money from the day I graduated college. And you just then begin a lifestyle with that money. And, you know, no matter how much money you have, you you just end up spending more and more and more. And so my spending was at such a high level that I was really conflicted with the idea of how would I not have this income? However, let's be frank, and this will come into it later, but I saved a lot of my money just because I have trouble spending, but a lot of my paycheck and 95% of my bonus was going into a savings account. However, it was just the idea of not having a paycheck that really intimidated me. So I had dabbled with the thought of leaving, came to the conclusion that I shouldn't because I wouldn't even know what this entailed. And at the same time, I was having some really bad anxiety over the fact that I just, I didn't feel happy. I was not myself. I was not my happiest version of myself. And that I was struggling with because there comes a point where how much is money worth in comparison to your happiness. And at that point, I was really putting money above my own happiness and my own mental health. And we got in, Joe and I got engaged in October and I then was like, oh my God, I could never leave my job now that I'm planning a wedding. Like, oh my, that would just be way too much to handle. So I decided I wasn't leaving. Then it was the winter and everyone kept saying, I was doing freckled foodie on the side. I was working full time. I was planning a wedding. I was in health coaching school. Everyone kept asking, how are you not so stressed? And I was like, dude, I am so fucking stressed. Or no, I'm really stressed, but I felt like I was running full speed. And I said this multiple times, I'm running full speed with the blindfold on. I know I'm going to hit a wall. I just don't know when. 
And then it turns out that the wall was actually a car. So I got hit by a car while I was crossing the street on March 2nd. And it was a Friday night in the, you all know this story probably, but it was a Friday night in the city. I was walking to a yoga class in Brooklyn. It was a really bad snowstorm. I was in all black. I had my hood up. I got to a crosswalk. I was a block away from the yoga studio. I had the walk sign. I look both ways. I start to cross the street. A car that was on the parallel street came flying down. He had a green light. He could have continued to go straight, but he was turning left. And when he hooked a left turn, he never stopped to see if there was a pedestrian crossing the street. I really, I just don't think he saw me. It, it was dark, snowy. I was in a black, whatever. Fortunately, I did have headphones in and my hood up, so I never heard him coming, so I didn't turn towards the car and I didn't lock up. He hit the side of my body. I went on to the hood of his car and that hit my head and then onto the ground and hit my head. So I suffered from a pretty bad concussion. Unfortunately, it was my sixth one, so the more you get, the worse they are, and this was definitely the worst one I had. I, at first, and this is a sign where I went to the hospital that night and the doctor was like, you just have a bad concussion. All of your scans and x-rays came back fine. So, you know, I'll write you a note to get you out of work for like Monday and Tuesday. And I was like, sick, I don't have to go to work Monday and Tuesday. Like this kind of rules, having no idea how bad it actually was. Um, that two days that I thought I was going to miss work turned into eight weeks. So I, it all like you know I suffered from a very bad concussion if you know concussions you there's no end date where you're all of a sudden going to be better it's not like a broken arm and you have a certain amount of rest time and then okay it's all healed you just you don't know how long it could take it could take two weeks it could take freaking years so I was on disability from Jeep Morgan which I'm so freaking incredibly grateful for that at that moment of my life I was working for a corporation with benefits like that that allowed me to take the time I needed to really recover, rest. I mean I stayed in my apartment. I couldn't be in light especially in the beginning. I couldn't really be outside. I could barely walk five blocks with my mom a week and a half after the accident without feeling like I just ran a marathon. So the fact that they gave me the time I needed to recover and I was also fortunate enough that I was getting paid, that was amazing. At the same time, I also deepened my meditation practice and or began my meditation practice and I really just had so much time to reflect. There was nothing else to do. I couldn't be on my phone. I could barely watch TV. I definitely couldn't read and I just sat in my apartment and really thought about life and I'm someone that truly believes I don't know if it's everything happens for a reason and I've said this prior but I think that sucks because such shitty things can happen and I would hate someone to believe that it happened for some reason but I do think you can make a positive outcome out of a really shitty situation. I think there's always a lesson to be learned and for me that lesson was life is fucking short. There is no saying that you will wake up tomorrow. I did everything right. I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't jaywalking, which I do all the goddamn time. I had the walk sign. You know, I looked both ways. It doesn't matter. You're not, as much as we like to believe we're in control of our own lives, we're not in control of our lives. We're in control of how to react to things, but we are not in control of what happens. And I just really came to that conclusion of life being short. And if I can't guarantee 
that I'll be around for however long in this world, I sure as hell want to be do something, doing something I love. And what does money fucking matter if I'm not going to be here in a year? I'm just, I'm not trying to sound pessimistic. I'm honestly just saying like, you don't know how much longer you're here. So why waste your time doing something that you don't love? especially when you know what you love. And I think that's what people always, and it's so funny reading back on journal entries that I wrote during my disability, which I did the other day. I was writing something that said people, everyone who isn't happy at their job wishes they had a passion, a side project, something to follow and pursue. And I had that. And then everyone with a passion wishes that they had the financial stability to try it out. And I had that. So why the hell was I so goddamn scared? And so once I came to the conclusion that I was quite honestly just staying at a job for an egotistical reason and the financial aspect of it all, it just seemed so such it seems like such bullshit once I really came to terms with it. Like that's not what life is about. And so I sat Joe down one night and I said, I think I'm going to quit my job. And he was like, what? Really? And I said, yeah, I mean, I'm not happy. I know what I want to do. I don't know what it exactly entails, but I just felt this pulling that if I followed my passion and I followed my heart and I followed what I knew I wanted to do, it would all align. And I know that sounds so freaking ridiculous. And I get people who are listening are going to think like, you're crazy. That's not how the world works. But in my opinion, it is. And my opinion matters the most in my life. And I had just really, once I came to terms with it, it was similar to what I said when I started this episode. Once I have my mind set on something, I have to do it. And so Joe, being the incredibly amazing and loving person he is, had my back 110%. He told me that he knew I would succeed at whatever I put my mind to. And it was clear that I'm someone who's not just going to sit back and watch TV all day if I work for myself. I will probably work way harder than I do right now or did at the time at JP. And it was so evident by all of the work I had been putting into this account and these weekend projects already that it was only going to continue. So after I had his blessing and support, which was very important because we were getting married and we, you know, are sharing our lives together and we're sharing our finances and me not having a steady paycheck affects him also once you're married once at that point I think we had combined everything so you know that affects him as well so I had his blessing and I then was super nervous but sat down with my parents and prior to that meeting I kind of like outlined what I thought could become part of my life in a business structure I guess and you know but prior to this let's also say I had gotten a lot of advice from people that was like don't just leave your job without a plan that's crazy don't leave your job without a plan find a middle ground find like some type of job that's focused in the health wellness food space where you're working for a corporation but you're doing it so you're still working for the man, whatever you want to say, but you're getting a paycheck. Sure, it might be a desk job, but at the same time, it's focused on something that you love more. And that'll be maybe more interesting and more fulfilling than what you're doing right now since you don't seem to be as enthralled by it all. But to me, it just felt like, why would I leave 
I'm already putting in as much time as possible on this like freckled foodie side project as I possibly can. So why would I leave a job that pays really well and has really set hours and I'm putting in as much time as I can on freckled foodie on the side to then go to a company where I'd probably be working similar-ish hours and getting paid way less to only put in that same amount of time on the side. Like that made no sense to me. So I went against everyone's suggestion. I did sit down and try to write out like, okay, how much, what could I do? What, where could this take me? And with that, I went to my parents. And I, I mean, I honestly sat them down and said, I don't have a set plan. Let's be very clear. But I know I need to do this. And it was a much longer conversation, but eventually I had their support as well. And so I eventually healed from my concussion. I had to go two straight weeks without a headache before I was um, cleared to go back to work, specifically just because I stared at computer screens all day. So I went back to work. I had the plan that I was going to leave my job, but I didn't want to just show up and quit right away. So I worked for a week and then I quit. And I actually, I did have to work two weeks, which was surprising given the industry, but I worked my two weeks and April 27th, 2018 was my last day at the office. So I guess now it's like, what the fuck do I do now? Um, I left my job and I remember being so excited. And I honestly think it just hadn't really hit me. And so in the very beginning, I was really focused on meal prepping because to me, that felt like the most I feel like you can definitely hear the rain in this, so I'm sorry. But you definitely can because I can hear it in the headphones. Um, the Basically, I started focusing a lot on meal prepping because that to me felt like the easiest grasp. And I'm actually going to move. So we're going to pause for a second. All right, I moved away from my window, so hopefully you cannot hear the rain as much you know, part of producing your own podcast. Anyway, I focused on the meal prepping aspect of it all because that was what I felt there was demand for, but also it was sub, it was an attainable and achievable financial aspect of it all where I knew I could make money doing this. I could do X amount of day. I could do X amount of days a week and therefore I would be making money immediately. So Also, I should have touched on this, but going into quitting, I did a very deep dive into my financials and assessed, okay, how much have I saved and how much do I spend a month? How much does just my life cost a month? How many months can I go without making any money? And once I had that number and I had X amount of savings set aside to potentially invest into my company, I felt confident and comfortable that I could make this work. So I focused on meal prepping. I would say I did that from April all the way through like, let's call it September. I was really focused on that aspect of my business. So I basically put together a pamphlet of something I created myself explaining what my services were. So there was meal prepping, health coaching, kitchen audits, grocery store walkthroughs, and cooking classes. And I outlined them all. I put together my rates and I send an email to everyone I knew and said, hey, whether we talk every day or whether I haven't seen you in years, 
I just quit my job. I'm starting my own thing. Here's what I think it's going to be. Here are the services I offer. Please forward this along to anyone and everyone you know. And I created a little draft email for them to easily just forward that said, this is my friend Cameron, blah, 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 blah. And that's how I got my clients. I didn't really have the biggest social media following. I honestly don't know. I wish I still knew how many like followers I had at that point. Um, but I didn't really publicize my offerings on my account because I didn't feel like the demographic that followed me were people who were going to hire me, which is correct because my meal prepping clients were all a little bit older than my typical Instagram follower. So I basically slaved away for a few like April to October so a while um doing meal prepping and that was my main focus I had house coaching clients and I was always creating recipes and writing blog posts for my Instagram and blog but it's not like I was really doing sponsored content or collaborations I then took the month off from because of health reasons, but also because we were getting married, I basically was off from like the end of September till the end of October. And during that time, I noticed that I really enjoyed other aspects of my business more than the physical act of meal prepping. And I was trying to figure out ways to make money other than that. And so I still was prepping for clients and it kind of got to the point where I noticed if I don't love this aspect of my business, I didn't leave a job that paid really well to do something that to to focus on something that I don't love but doesn't even pay that well. So I'm all for financial cuts if you're loving what you're doing, but at that point I really wasn't loving that aspect of my business. And so Things have obviously changed. If you follow me, you're kind of aware of that. I'm focusing more on like what fills me up. My goal is truthfully to make healthy living as approachable as possible. I love helping people. That's what fulfills me. So whether that's through my health coaching practice, whether it's through I sell prep for two clients um, just because I love them and they've been around for a very long time and I couldn't give them up. Um, but doing that or this, I mean this podcast was a dream I didn't even know I had. And that's how I felt when I left. I knew that there were so many doors I wanted to open and it felt like every time I opened a door, there were 10 more behind it, but I couldn't even open them because I didn't have the time. And I just wanted to see what the hell was behind them and just freaking do something about it. I just felt I had so much passion and so much energy built up inside of me and so much I wanted to do and I was just being held back. And so Right now, I'm really just trying to do things I love, and I struggle every freaking day. Every day, I struggle with being my own boss in the sense of, am I, really, it's financially tied, and it's something I'm really trying so hard to work on with my therapist, and Joe is incredible in also walking me and talking me through this. It's kind of like this imposter syndrome where I felt it a little bit at J.P. Morgan of, how do I really know what I'm doing? Like, how do I keep getting these like, good clients? How do I keep getting promoted? How, you know, does everyone know that I'm not quite sure what's going on? And unfortunately, I think a lot of females struggle with this. And I kind of have been feeling it in this role because it's like, 
do I almost feel like someone's going to tap me on the shoulder and be like, okay, joke's over. You have to get a job now. And it's the sense of feeling so fortunate and privileged that this is my life that I almost feel guilty, which is so backwards and so crazy. But I do feel that emotion and I do feel that it's still so unclear what my company is and exactly where it's going. And I'm okay with that because I am not someone that likes to set out a set plan with this because I do believe that it's ever evolving and you don't know what you don't know. So I would in my, if I had set out a set plan when I left, which I did, and I actually just looked back on, it would have been so focused on meal planning and meal prepping. And I would have been so anal about sticking to it because I'm someone that when I say I have to do something, I have to do it, that I would have killed myself to focus on that aspect of my business, even though it wasn't what I loved. And I would have never, ever tried having a podcast, which is now, I would say, hands down, my favorite part of my business. So while I'm trying to really focus on what I love, it is really, really, really hard to disassociate the fact of how much money am I making? What's worth my time? What pays the best? How am I going to make the most money? And I try so hard to not let that be the driving force and I, I, 95% of the time I'm okay with it, but there's always that voice in the back of my head being like, you're not making enough money, this isn't worth it, um, and it's just something I'm struggling with. It's also really hard to, I also struggle with telling people what my job is. I get, you know, it's everyone's favorite question, so what do you do? And I recently had this conversation with my mom where I feel like when I talk with people our generation or my generation, they get it for the most part and they're interested in it and they have follow-up questions and they pretty much, I would say majority of the time, think it's pretty cool. I really struggle with telling adults and I never noticed how much I valued the respect and opinion of adults, but maybe it's because I came from a job where I immediately gained their respect when I told them what I did to now struggling with explaining it and then being like, what the fuck are you talking about, girlfriend? So it's that. It's an egotistical thing, to be totally honest. It, that's what I struggle with a lot. I struggle with my self-worth and feeling respected in that sense and almost proving to people that I made the right decision which what does it matter who do I have to prove it to no one I know I made the right decision but it's just almost making sure people get that I'm not crazy I don't know how else to say it um but now that's where I am a year out I'm so fucking proud of what I've built I really think it's more than I ever could have imagined. And I know I said on Instagram the other day when I had this like mental breakdown the other night, I was saying that I don't know, I'm comparing it to what I thought it would be. And someone asked, what did you think you would be a year out? And I have no idea. Maybe that's why, because I don't have concrete evidence to compare it to. But I am so proud of what it's become. I'm so excited for what is to come. And I'm just very grateful and so fulfilled with what my life currently is. And the fact that I get to do this is still feels like a dream. So I'm going to answer 
questions that you all, or not all of you, but some of the Instagram followers sent in. And there are a lot, so I'm going to try to pick. But we can start with, how has this journey of being self-employed changed or affected you? It's really made me value things that I took for granted beforehand. So having a steady paycheck every other week, paid time off, vacation days, maternity leave, like if you have that, don't take it for granted. I definitely value a dollar differently. I think about things way more where I normally would have just swiped my credit card and not blinked an eye. And I think it's also given me a sense of pride where I feel proud of myself on a regular basis and I never felt that way in the corporate world. Even if I did a really great job on a trade or you know got great feedback from a client, I was kind of like, eh, okay, who really cares? And now I'm so... I get these feelings of like, wow, way to fucking go, Cam. And that I never had. Um, Did you have a turning point where you felt more confident as your own boss? I kind of think I'm coming to that turning point, to be honest, because I feel like in the beginning, I was also so focused on the wedding and it was so, and this whole being my own boss was so new to me and I jumped right in that it never really hit me of the sense of this is amazing what you are doing is really cool and the fact that you did this is really I don't want to say inspirational but you know it just it all kind of happened to me I didn't feel like I was able to sit back and enjoy it or really take it all in and I think then I hit a low of like what the hell is going on and I think I'm on the turning point right now of taking pride in it being proud to say I'm my own boss, figuring out what's next, treating it like my own, like a real business. So maybe right now. Um, what is it like knowing how many people look up to you and value you on Instagram? I would cry. Wow. Thank you so much. I, I don't really think about it. Well, I don't know how many. I would say I don't think that many people do. Um, I definitely don't think about my number of people that follow me or watch videos because I feel like the second I do that I'll stop being myself and not that I'll try to be someone else but I'll just be more maybe more filtered and I never want it to be that way so I love that anyone whoever wrote this in maybe you look up to me or value me so I so appreciate you Um, if I can help anyone just one person a day then my job is done because that's really all I want in this company how do you feel you set yourself apart from other accounts? I hate, uh, I mean, I always, I get messages a lot saying, I follow you. And that sounded so fucking annoying, but people will say to me, I follow you because you seem so approachable. And I guess the word is real, but, uh, um, relatable and honest. And that is what I really focus on on well I don't really focus on it's just me and by not focusing on it maybe that's why it's giving that content um but what sets me apart I think I really try to show that healthy living is doable without giving everything up you know sure I'll make a salad and a healthy dinner and make it affordable and whatever, but then I'll also go out to an expensive favorite restaurant of mine, indulge, 
eat ice cream all the time, get really drunk, take tequila shots on my Instagram story and show you that aspect of my life. So what sets me apart is I guess just being me. I don't know. I would love to know your feedback. What is my five goal, five year goal for Freckled Foodie? I mean, like I said, I don't like to set such set goals because I feel like I would drive myself crazy, but I definitely want this podcast to continue to grow. Having Dax Shepard as a guest, I would say is one of my ultimate goals. If you watch me on Instagram, you know, I'm freaking obsessed with him and his podcast. Um, I want to focus a lot on creating more content, even video content. I love getting on TV somehow. I mean, I would die for that. Maybe having a cookbook of sorts one day, who knows, maybe opening a restaurant in suburbia. I wouldn't want to in New York, but maybe when I move to the Dirty Jurors. I don't know. Those are just some things. Um, Do you struggle with procrastinating being your own boss? Not one bit. I could definitely procrastinate more. I think I was recently talking with my therapist about this and she really, what's the saying? Like hit the nail on the head? Whatever. Um, I've only worked for one company and had one job, two summers and then five years full time. And that one job was so high intense, so high stress and anxiety inducing and just work, 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 work while you're working. And also like immediate response. Like I was on Bloomberg all day long. I had to respond immediately. Otherwise you miss a trade. And so I think that is all I know that correlates with working, quote unquote. And so now I struggle with, I guess, accepting the fact that sitting on my couch if I want and responding to emails is working or doing something and then taking a break and doing something and taking a break is working, which it is. There's no, like, that's working. Um, So I'm very go, 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 nonstop working. And I'm trying to be better at that and enjoy life and not kill myself when I don't have to. So I definitely do not procrastinate, but I've never been a procrastinator to begin with. What were you most afraid of when switching careers to be your own boss? telling people what I did it's so sad that is really sad but that was what I was most kind of caught up on and not making money so as you can tell very superficial things and it's interesting on our honeymoon we were at the hotel and we got to talking with another couple and the guy was like oh so what do you guys do and Joe gave his spiel and then I was like well, I used to work in sales and trading for five years, but now I'm doing my own thing and then kind of talked about Freckled Foodie. And afterwards, Joe said to me, you know, you don't have to say that you worked in sales and trading to justify what you're doing. You can just say what you're doing. And it was such a aha reality check of why the fuck do I say that? And I had the conversation with my mom and friends afterwards and told them that. And they were saying, you know, if it's relatable, like, you know, I still say I did this, but now I'm doing this. And I said, yes, because those two things are relatable and it's kind of like you're just connecting them. I was saying it from a pure sense of justifying what I'm doing now. And that is bullshit. So I've stopped saying that. If we get into what I did before, then obviously I'll say I worked in sales and trading. I'm not like cutting it out of my life. But 
I don't need to justify what I'm doing now by saying that. What advice would you give someone just starting out in the blogging wellness world? Figure out what you kind of want your mission to be and then stick to it and be yourself. Do not set out to be like someone else. I say this all the time. Just because there's so many Instagram and blogs in the world doesn't mean you shouldn't start one. There are a bajillion TV shows on, but then a new show comes on and you love it. So there's always room for more, but not if it's the exact same as another show. Like I would never watch an exact same show of The Sopranos because it's just never going to be as good as The Sopranos. But I would watch a new show. So you have to be different than someone. Don't set out to ex- like exactly model after an account you follow. You might follow and obsess and love this account, but you love them because that's them. It's never going to be as good if you try to be them. Was there anything other than your accent that got you mentally ready to take the leap? Joe, find someone, whether it's a friend, a husband, a boyfriend, a wife, a girlfriend, a parent, whoever it is, find someone that believes in you 110% and stick to them and stay close with them and have them as your support system because you need people to remind you of why you're doing things. Um, what is the best piece of entrepreneurship related advice you received? I didn't actually receive this. Like it wasn't said to me, but I was listening and I feel like I need to find this person's name because now I mention it a lot, but I was listening to the today show. I guess it might have been, it was actually while I was on disability and they were interviewing the founder probably of city row and I think she's like pretty young and she was saying like jump in but know the water's cold. So I think everyone thinks that being your own boss is wonderful. You set your own hours. You get to do whatever you want like la-ti-da-ti-da. You can go to workout classes whenever. Go out to lunch dates. Work from the beach. Yeah. All of that stuff is actually pretty true and it does rule but working for yourself is so much harder than working for someone else. Let me clarify that. I have never worked harder in my fucking life than I have this past year. Working for someone else is the easiest thing in the world. It might suck, but you're told what to do. You're given projects and then you just complete them. You're paid and you're not responsible. Like you just get paid. Working for yourself, you are responsible for every dollar you make You have to set yourself up for these projects, quote unquote. You have to figure out what the next thing is. You have to then do it. You're responsible for everything. So yes, it's awesome. Jump in, do it. If you want to do something, fucking grab life by the balls and do it. But it's not going to be easy. And that's fine. And I went in knowing that. And when it's hard, I remind myself of that. No one said this was going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. Can you talk about your discipline routine? It would be helpful for the work from home crowd. Um, I don't necessarily have a routine. It's still something I'm kind of working on. But I honestly, I don't even know what I can recommend. I wake up still pretty early just on my own. I wake up between like 6 and 6.30. I'll work from home for like two to three hours. I then take like a little break and work out. And then I'm either in meetings or 
you know, doing appointments during the day or I'm working from home and interviewing for podcasts, working with my health coaching clients or like creating content. Sometimes I'll go to coffee shops to work. It's just a matter of, it depends on the day and what I have. I would say the hardest thing for me is like avoiding distractions when I'm in my apartment and you know you'll see something and think oh I have to do that but like really that doesn't have to be done right now if I was at my full-time job and I was in office I wouldn't be putting away my laundry right now like I do that after I'm done my work so that's difficult also people kind of think you're just like accessible 24 7 so responding to social text messages and all of that I struggle with and I need to be better I'm just like an instant gratification even in a response type of mindset so I would say finding a place in the apartment or around your apartment whether it's a coffee shop a park whatever that you're best able to get work done and then setting aside time like really be like I'm gonna work on this for an hour and then I'll give myself 10-15 minutes whatever break to do whatever distraction is keeping you distracted um what do you do when you face doubts fears doubts slash fears in your business I either talk them out with Joe or family members and say I'm very um, self-reflective in the sense that I'm not afraid to admit flaws of myself or things I'm thinking so I'll sit down and say I'm so scared about this I don't feel confident doing this I am petrified by this and try and just talk it out a lot of times you just need to speak it I would say that when I'm fearful of something if I don't say it out loud it like haunts me at night once you get it out there you either get great opinions and advice from those people or it's also just something you need to talk through on your own I also am a big proponent of journaling I journal a lot I it's always hard to sit down and begin but then once I do it's like freaking word vomit and I love it and it's so great to go back and read especially when you have these life-changing moments it's really fun to go back later on and read where your mind was at that time and just remind yourself that you freaking rule you know, like I don't be afraid to do silly things. I wrote a, a sticky note that says, you're a wonderful star. Cause that's what Joe told me one day. And I have it on our mirror in our bathroom. And every morning I remind myself that I'm a wonderful star. What demographic do you think your page caters to? And how do you plan to extend that? My page definitely caters to, I would say females in the 25 to 35 range, specifically based in Manhattan. I definitely want to try to extend that to not just New York. I do think the age demographic is just going to kind of evolve as I evolve. I feel like you always follow people that you're most relatable to. So like as a consumer, I follow people that are in similar wavelengths of my life. I don't really care about like what a 50 year old female is doing to help her skin because I'm not 50 if that makes sense I don't know if they're 50 year old women on Instagram talking about their skin but maybe um but I want to extend past New York whether it's big cities or um like middle of America that isn't as doesn't have as accessible aspects of the wellness world there right now I think it's really difficult because New York is such a hub of everything and we take it for granted and it's hard for me to remember that but I want to create content that doesn't require you to need all of this which is something I notice I struggle with so that's a focus for me what is the most rewarding part of 
or your favorite part about your job and what is the most frustrating. Um, Rewarding and favorite is helping people through health coaching, cooking for them, or even just the DMs I receive saying like, you encouraged me to go see a therapist because you were so open about seeing yours. Or, oh my God, I just tried a colonic for the first time and it's helped me so much. Or, you know, whatever it is. Or like, thank you for talking openly about this because it's something I've been struggling with and I haven't heard anyone else mention it. That to me is so rewarding. I would say the most frustrating part about my business is you get denied a lot. And I don't think that's anything anyone talks about. I mean, I get denied all the fucking time. If I think about how many brands I think would be great to collaborate with or really good partners or awesome sponsors for certain things and I approach them and get denied, like it's just something you have to deal with or not getting picked to do something. I think it's really easy to compare yourself to where other people are and that's such a dark circle so or cycle. So I try really hard to not do that and I've met so many amazing people in this space that I really do believe in collaborating versus competing Um, but the most frustrating is probably putting things into motion that I know I want to do if that makes sense and financials a lot of you wonder about this how do you make a living doing what you do Um, I would say a lot of people probably wonder this Honestly, each month changes. So I make money from prepping meals for the two clients that I now cook for, but that was majority of my financial income in the beginning. I make money off of my health coaching practice. I make money off of sponsored content that I do, whether it's a blog post and a podcast advertisement and Instagram post and Instagram story, whatever it may be. I make money off of collaborations that I do with larger companies for video content. I make money off of events I host. Um, It really changes every month. And that's, I would say, fun in some ways, but really overwhelming and intimidating because you never know what the next month brings. And that's something I'm trying to let go of and trust the process because you know, I kind of went into this thinking, okay, I will be okay not making any money for six months. And I truly told myself that and believed it and was set up financially to do so. And that was not the case at all. So I need to accept that it's a win instead of focusing on the fact that, well, I didn't make nearly as much money as I used to. No shit, Cammie. You worked for one of the best banks in the fucking world and you were paid incredibly well. That's not a normal bar to set your or normal standard to compare yourself to so that's something I'm letting go of financially did you have outside support to help you leave and start this career or did you do it on your own I definitely would say I had support not in the sense of you know my parents put me on their payroll but I well let's also clarify I had saved a ton of money from my first job five years working in sales and trading and putting aside a substantial portion can definitely pay off in the long run. So if you have the means to save money, I would say save, save, save. Even if you don't know what it's for, I had no idea what mine was being saved for and here I am. So that helped exponentially. Um, I also would say now I have the support of Joe, not that 
I, I don't know. It's hard to like, we combined all of our finances. And so, yes, he gets a paycheck and technically that supports me, but also like our savings and our checkings and all that supports us as well. And that was something I contributed to. So outside support as in my husband. Yes, obviously. Um, right now his finances are definitely more than mine on a monthly basis. And my parents are also incredibly supportive in the sense of, you know, when there are big medical things, they help with that. I know that I'm completely privileged and fortunate and I'm very grateful for that ability and I'm so aware of it. Um, and also like, you know, over the summers, I'll spend a lot of time with them or when we vacation and yeah, then it really helps because the food and everything is paid for by them. But I did not take any like outside investments, if that's what you're asking. And the last question, do you miss things about your old corporate job? I actually, this week I've been so emotional about this. I think it's because... I feel like the year as the year mark is like a really reflective time and I'm reflecting a lot on what I've accomplished, what I want to accomplish, how my life has changed and it's the first time that I'm really taking it all in. I also am just really emotional lately. I don't know why. And I saw like a coworker I was by the office on Monday and I kind of like left I texted Joe and I said wow I just felt really emotional seeing him Joe was like why like did you feel nostalgic or like do you miss it I said no it's not I I don't I didn't I couldn't figure out what the emotions were and then I had a very intense therapy session and then I just saw all of my old coworkers last night and I think it's the fact that I definitely don't miss what I was doing at all um I love what I'm doing way more right now, but I would say I miss the team aspect and the camaraderie of like joking around and they were all, I mean, on a trading floor, you have no privacy. So I knew like when the person next to me was going to take a poop, I knew the last time they had sex with their partner. I knew what they were doing every single night. Like, you know, everything about everyone. And I was someone that really made an effort to have a relationship with everyone on my team. And I felt I was very close to a lot of people. And so every day, just the joking around aspect of it all and being so close with so many people, I think I really miss that because you know, my coworkers were all older than me. It's not like they were 20 year olds who I'm still going to go hang out and get drinks and dinner with every week. Not that I wouldn't want to do that with all of them. I love them with my heart, but a lot of them are like men in their forties or fifties. And I don't think we don't need to be like getting dinner alone every week. I feel like as a wife, I wouldn't enjoy that. Um, so I think I miss that aspect, the team and the people. I definitely miss that about my old job, yes. And I also think there's something to say about loneliness as an entrepreneur. And it's something I'm just kind of coming to terms with. But it can be lonely sometimes working by yourself all day, especially if you're in an apartment or whatever. So trying to find people that you can have work dates with or you know I have friends in this business who work for themselves that I'll call once a week and have long conversations with while I'm on a walk or something if they're not in the city I'm really pushing for a dog if Joe listens to this can we get a freaking dog already um so I think I I miss that aspect but I definitely do not miss commuting to Midtown I definitely do not miss wearing a suit and a blazer I do not miss sitting at a desk all day and I do not miss 
the actual work I was doing. So those are all the questions you guys answered. I cannot believe I've now talked for over an hour. The fact that a solo special is going to be the longest episode thus far is pretty freaking comical. Also not that surprising because like I say, if you give me a mic, I will not shut up. But to close, I obviously have to say up to the three ways to my heart through food. So number one is obviously ice cream. I mean, there's absolutely no question. And I say that as like an umbrella food ice cream, but if we want to get specific on flavors, I could never pick one, but I have different favorites at different places. So I will give you the full rundown because why the hell not? We're already over an hour. If I'm at the beach, Hoffman's is the best ice cream ever. It's in Point Pleasant. They also have one, I want to say, in Bria, Spring Lake, Brielle. I forget, but I go to the Point Pleasant one. Favorite there, nothing compares to Coffee Oreo. Nothing at all. But I do, right now, like technically I can't have Coffee Oreo because there's gluten in it. Um, so I do love their mint chip. It's a green mint chip, which like is fake, but I also respect the shit out of Jersey Monkey is also very good, which is banana ice cream with peanut butter and chocolate chunks. That's my dad's favorite. Uh, okay, so that's at Hoffman's. If I'm in the city, Van Leeuwen is obviously my favorite. If you follow me, you know that. I love uh, their vegan dark chocolate is truly unreal. I also love their mint chip. Their specials are incredible as well. But mint chip vegan dark chocolate are probably two of my favorites there. If I'm in Princeton, where I'm from in Jersey, my favorite would have, I love Ben Spoon gelato, obviously, but Halo Pub holds like a really, really, really soft place in my heart because as a child, that was where I went. And I'm going to surprise everyone by saying my favorite flavor is rum raisin. As a kid, it was all I would eat, which is so freaking weird and probably why I liked rum. Like when I first started drinking, it was my go-to alcohol of choice and now I can't drink it. But rum raisin from Halo Pub is so good. Or if you go to Thomas Sweets, Tea Sweets, I would get a vanilla base and do a blend in with Heath bar and caramel. Oh, and cold. Oh my God. I sound like a lunatic at cold stones. My favorite used to be the vanilla ice cream and then get waffle cone pieces, banana, caramel, peanut butter, and chocolate chips and have them do like the, you know, like they fold it all in. That was amazing. Um, I think that's like all of my favorites. I'm going to be really mad if I forget something after this. Okay. Next, I would say the way to my heart is a good burger and fries and like a cold beer. I, if also you follow me, you know, my favorite burger in Manhattan is at Bar Sardine. It's so incredible. It's like the bun is almost like a Portuguese muffin. It's not, but it's like toasted. So it's very thin. So the meat to bread ratio is just out of this world and it has cucumbers and cheese and this great sauce and little like crispy um like very 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 tiny like almost like fries and it comes with onion but I do not like raw onion on a burger I hate raw onion in life I it blows my mind that people eat it on salads or on burgers or on sandwiches I will never touch a raw onion ever so without that and a good like IPA like a six point IPA is probably one of my favorites or Lagunitas um 
other than bar sardine, I really love the bar, the burger at Upland, which is a brunch or lunch menu only. Uh, the new one at Oshival is incredible. And they do a lettuce wrap, which I appreciate now that I'm gluten-free. Others of my favorites in the city, Corner Bistro is obviously a staple, JG Mellon. I have a full list on my phone, but I don't have my phone in front of me. Um, so those are some of my favorites. And then the third way would be like a freaking awesome breakfast buffet. I love a breakfast buffet. One of my favorite things about traveling and staying in a hotel is if they have an unlimited and like all-inclusive breakfast buffet, nothing beats that in my nothing so when you can have like an omelet sausage bacon some pancakes a waffle a smoothie yogurt parfait all the juices you want fruit like everything and you can get to choose how much of everything you want that to me is heaven and I will say the best one I've ever experienced is at the four seasons in DC and I think it's just like in like Washington DC now I don't know where exactly it was. I think it's like in the middle of the city I don't really know but I went with my mom once and my friend said that we should stay there and he was like you have to get the breakfast buffet and it was remarkable there was like a raw bar included which I love a good bloody mary that's spicy I love like one bloody mary and then I'm kind of like over them I can't have too many I'm not a mimosa girl. I actually like hate champagne. I'm the one person that didn't drink once of a champagne their entire wedding weekend. Um, but I digress. Now I've moved on too far. Anyway, those are the top three ways to my heart. So thank you. If, if you've made it this far, which is over an hour, I so respect and appreciate you listening to this. I hope you guys enjoyed this solo special. Maybe it's something that'll continue. I'll see how the feedback goes. But Thank you for your support. I would not, I also want to say like, yes, being my own boss for a year has been really incredible and I'm so proud of what I do and I love it, but none of it would be possible without all of you, truly. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there at Freckled Foodie.